Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 45, Abby Peretz, creator of Successful Freelance Mom. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Do you enjoy writing, tweaking words, or communicating in the written form? Maybe a freelance writing career is for you. But if it isn't, don't tune out just yet, because my guest today has plenty of advice for women who have an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm Yael Trush, and you're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Abby Peretz, creator of Successful Freelance Mom. Abby and I met in the online world and have had a virtual friendship for a while. We've been supporting each other's work ever since. Me Meanwhile, a couple of years ago, before Abby moved to Israel, we lived in the same city and we moved in pretty much the same circle, yet we never met. And as Abby mentioned in the interview, we didn't even meet through the Jewish online world, which is so funny. We actually connected via a non-Jewish forum. I can't even remember where. Um, so I think it was divine providence that at this juncture in our lives, God wanted us to meet. And I'm so very grateful for that. More about Abby at SuccessfulFreelanceMom.com. She teaches mothers how to break into freelance writing and land high-paying jobs while they're at home with their kids. As a mother of five kids, including one with special needs, Abby knows the unique challenges moms face every day, and she works to empower them to pursue their dreams and live a life they love. Not only does Abby tell us about her business, but Abby tells us about her relationship with God. What got Abby up from the kitchen floor when she where she spent many mornings crying after a challenging time in her life? What kind of money Money can one make having a freelance writing career? What holds women back from achieving their greatest potential? Does Abby, the successful freelance mom, ever face blocks, resistance? How does she deal with this? What are the foundations of any successful business which Abby teaches all of her clients? And stay tuned because Abby has a great freebie that you can enroll in and get started in your freelance writing career. Here we go, ladies. Here's Abby Parrots. Abby Parrot, successful freelance mom. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Thank you for having me. This is so, so exciting. I am super excited because you and I, one would think we have we would have met because we lived in the same city. We moved in very similar circles, yet we've never actually met. Which is crazy. It's it crazy because like we have all these friends in common. Totally <laughs> crazy. And it was the internet that brought us together, um, which I, I love that story because, you know, it just goes to show the power of, you know, the online world and online entrepreneurs. And I, and I, I so appreciate your friendship, your support, your encouragement, your words of wisdom. I feel, I, I, and I fully support your work. In fact, I've recommended your course, Writing for Money, to my newsletter subscribers in the past very successfully. Aww. And I'm That's happy so to have heard that some of them actually enrolled on your amazing course. Um, so I'm just so thrilled to have you on the show telling us all about how to be a successful freelance mom. Well, thank you. It's so exciting. And I think what's most amazing, Yael, is that we didn't even meet through the Jewish online world. We met through like the secular online entrepreneurial women's world. So. That is true. You have a good memory. I didn't remember that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You are right. A, you are right. You're right. So, Avi, let's get right to it. Um, sure. You've been writing for a very long time, something like 20 years, not just professionally, but in addition to a career as a writer, you also... I understand that the craft of writing helped you through some difficult times. Later on, mm -hmm. you even had more challenges and you had to stop working altogether, which is what actually led to the creation of your business, Successful Freelance Mom. So tell us exactly how you got started. Give us the background story because there's an interesting journey here. 
there is, it's a journey and there's ups and downs. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, um, a very, very long time ago, because I am, uh, according to my children, one foot in the grave, ready to die. I'm 42. So yeah, you're ancient, (laughs) just like me, like, like walk the earth with the dinosaurs. I hear you. Correct. (laughs) So, so many, many years ago, 20 some years ago, I, um, I started writing professionally. I was living in Israel at the time and my major skill was I was an English speaker and I knew how to use a computer, Mm -hmm. which qualified me to get hired as a junior copywriter in a little marketing firm in Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. And then, um, about 18 and a half years ago, my first baby was born. And when she was born, I didn't want to work in an office. I didn't want to be leaving her with a sitter and going into work in an office every day. So I decided I'll be a freelance writer. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you that I did not really even know what that totally meant or like what I was going to actually do for money when (laughs) I started. But, um, But I figured that I was smart enough to figure it out. Uh, So I started writing articles, you know, they say, write what you know. So I wrote articles about parenting and pregnancy and breastfeeding, because those were the things that I pretty much did all the time. And, um, (laughs) and I, I made my way from smaller regional print parenting magazines to somewhat larger magazines. I did some online work and then we moved from Israel back to the States. We were in California for a time and I started building a business with local clients in California. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after a few years and every couple of years I would, you know, get pregnant and have another baby. So I would take some time for myself and kind of scale back a little. And the beautiful thing of course about freelancing is that you can scale your business up and down as you need to. Um, so that worked well for me. Uh, we moved to Los Angeles from, sorry, we moved from Los Angeles to Houston and I had to kind of start over with local businesses, um, and work my way into clients there. But then I started taking more online work and making connections with clients all over the country and even around the world, which was useful because then a few years later, we moved um, back to Israel again. Yay! So, yeah. So that was about uh, six and a half uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my kids were finally getting to the point where they were all, um, there are five of them, thank God, they're beautiful and wonderful. Um, they were all in the point where they were like starting to be in full day programs. So I was again, beginning to scale up a little bit and take on some more, lo- you know, more larger projects, more exciting things that I had the bandwidth for because I had, you know, longer work hours that I could count on. Mm-hmm. And this was 2013. Um, it was uh, it was pretty exciting. I had a lot of really cool stuff in the pipeline. I had just signed a contract with an exciting new client where I was taking a larger role than I had ever taken before, and I had an advance check for the project and everything. And then my middle son, who is developmentally disabled, um, was diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, um, yeah, so this is the down part of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... So it was a Friday. It was actually, it was Arab Yom Kippur. So oh, wow. um, yeah, uh, it was kind of intense. Um, and, and it was a Friday the 13th. So it was like from all directions. Um, and uh, so we found out on a Friday. And by Monday, I had contacted my clients. I had returned the advance check. I had handed off projects to colleagues. I had closed out things that, you know, um, I just, I knew I wasn't going to be able to work effectively for my clients, uh, certainly while I was caring for my son. And for the next two and a half years, I did not work. I sat in the hospital next to my son and I cried a lot and I watched a lot of bad television. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and, and that was my life for a very long time. Um, and thank God, you know, today my son is better and healthy. Um, but it was, it was a very, it was a very long time. And when he was better, Uh, I was not immediately better. Like everybody expected, oh, he's out of the hospital. He's going back to school. And now you can go back to work. And I was like, well, one, it's not that simple because my clients didn't sit around waiting for me. I have to start from nothing. And two, I'm not there yet. Like I can't. I can't. You were emotionally (laughs) and physically drained probably. Totally. Totally. It was, you know, it was, I I absolutely had PTSD. I was, I mean, I 
you know, I couldn't even drive. The mall is down the street from the hospital. And I couldn't, like, people would say, oh, I'll meet you for breakfast at the mall. I'm like, nope, we're going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I can't right. go that direction. So, right. you know, it was, it was intense. And I was just so unhappy and so not snapping out of it. Because when you're in the thick of it, you don't have time to process what's going on. So right. it was only when Adi was better that I could sit down and really think, oh my God, I almost lost my kid. Right. All the stressful emotions yep. came flowing through the body. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean, I spent a lot of time crying on the floor of my kitchen. Like I would just, you know, I would just lose it. I, the kids would get out the door in the morning, everybody would be out and I would just fall apart. Um, and that went on for a couple of months. So, so at what point do you say, I have a business on my hands, uh, I'm going to redo this, it's still, still be in the writing field, but I'm going to do this differently now? Well, so the way it actually came about was, you know, I was in the, this dark, dark place. And that what I've learned is that when you are depressed like that, one of the best things you can do for yourself is to kind of get outside yourself and to think, how can I help other people instead yeah. of concentrating on myself? And um, so what I thought about was the thing that I know how to do is to teach other people how to start this kind of business, how to get it up and running, even when you're at home with kids. I had done it at home with kids for many, many years, and I had done it through several moves. And I knew, you know, the pieces that had to be put in place, the foundations that need to be established, all the things that you need to do in order to run a successful business and, um, and to start getting clients and to work in a, in a sustainable way that will bring in consistent income. So I thought, you know, I could teach other women how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, I tell people all the time, successful freelance mom is what got me up off the floor of my kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, I, this business saved my life. I started thinking about, okay, well, you know, how would I teach this piece and how would I explain that part. And, and that was what got me up. And that was what got me engaging with the world and connecting with other women. And you know how it is run you're around other women. It's such a healing experience. Yes, it's such a, an important thing to be part of community. And, and, and that was, um, that was a huge piece for me. So, you know, starting to teach and starting to put that information out there in the world. Um, and getting feedback then from women who were saying, oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Thank you. This is so helpful. helpful. Wow. Right, you know, right, that right. was like, it's like the balm to the soul. So, yeah, it's the it, excitement it was amazing. Of, of knowing that you're helping other people. Oh, and my gosh. Yeah. Abby, do you think, I mean, not too many people figure that out, unfortunately. And I think it's something that our Jewish tradition emphasizes. Do you think it kind of, you know, you realized it, do you attribute this to, to Judaism? You know, um, parts of it, yes. Um, I think that we're certainly, you know, Judaism is certainly embodies the, the, the concept of giving of yourself and giving to others mm -hmm. um, at, at, you know, all different levels. Right. Um, and, and I think that's a big piece of it. I know that for me personally, my own, you know, journey through faith has been, um, I don't want to say atypical because I don't think that anybody has a typical journey through faith, Correct. really. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that, you know, we all have, um, I think that if you don't ever have anything that makes you question, then, um, I mean, wow, you're very lucky, but, um, but also maybe not really telling the truth. So, exactly. um, <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I had a, my son, um, you know, he's developmentally disabled. So getting that diagnosis when he was two years old was very difficult. And I went through some ups and downs then. And then of course the cancer diagnosis came. And, and so my own, um, certainly my faith has been shaken. Um, but you know, it, it has come back. Um, I have, I have an amazing family. I have an amazing support system. So they, they have, you know, kind of helped me find my way and they've never said to me, well, you have to believe this and you have to do those things. No one has ever tried to take that tone with me. I can't imagine that anybody would be that silly to take that tone with me. Um, but, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm, I've been very fortunate in that sense and I've, I've managed to find my own way. And I tell people I have a very intimate relationship with God. Like, you know, we, like we all should. It's a very personal relationship. That's why it should be. It's it so different for all of us. Like you had, right. like you said at the beginning. 
Yeah, it is. You know, it is. It's 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 very personal. It's very intimate. We have conversations, and sometimes I'm like a teenager where, like, if he's doing what I want, I'm like, awesome, we're BFFs. And yes. when he's not doing what I want, I'm like, listen, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, I just have <laughs> nothing to say to you, okay? So <laughs> you're not on my good, li- my good <laughs> list. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I can, yeah, <laughs> I can totally, totally relate. So <laughs> you're now on this beautiful mission to teach women, mothers in particular how to build a career, a career in freelance writing, a real career, real money that pays the bills, um, that's consistent, sustainable, while they can be at home for their kids. So let's start by you telling us really, what kind of money are we talking about? Because I think that's the first thing people always wonder about, right? Definitely, absolutely. So the money depends on how much time you want to devote to your business. Um, the students who I work with, so I'll tell you from my, from my own experience, um, over the years when I was working very part-time, meaning mm-hmm. about four hours a day, five days a week, mm-hmm. um, I was consistently, you know, after the second or third year when I knew what I was doing and I had made all the mistakes that like my students don't have to make because I show them how to skip over that part. Right. So at that point, I was making around three or $4,000 a month consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, like I said, working about 20 hours a week. Um, and then as my kids got a little bit bigger and I was starting to scale up to around six hours a week, I was definitely doing closer to um, uh, $5,000 a month um, on a very consistent level. Uh, and that's not like that's that was without making a tremendous effort. That was kind of like taking the easy stuff that came my way and not really going out of my way to do anything beyond that, Mm -hmm. which was a very comfortable level for me to be at because it covered, you know, what I needed for my family. And it made me feel like I was contributing. And it didn't, it meant that I didn't have to work very hard. Um, So I have students who start again with absolutely no experience in this field um, and who can very quickly on a, like a very part-time basis, you know, so working at most four hours a day, um, they can very quickly get up to that, uh, like 1500 to $2,000 a month range. And when they start to stretch a little bit and to take on things that are a little bit challenging, they can break out of that pretty quickly and get to that two, three, four thousand dollars a month range consistently. It takes, I'm not gonna say that it's, you know, that there's no work involved, because there's absolutely work involved and you have to be consistent about it. Mm-hmm. But um, but if you're willing to to put in that time and to take on the stuff that's a little bit challenging. And I'm not talking about like, oh my God, how do I do this? I'm I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, like taking the stuff that's not the lowest hanging fruit. Cause Right. Pretty much anyone can get started and do, you know, the really basic stuff um, and bring in that 1500 a month um, with, with very little effort when you're doing the right things. Um, and then getting beyond that takes just a small amount of effort. And really, it's about being consistent in, um, in your marketing efforts, meaning you're getting in front of the right clients on a consistent basis. So, can, Abby, can this be a side hustle? Let's say for the woman who wants to maybe pay off some student loans or some credit card debt, or you know, can can they? You know? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I see this as a really. Um, I mean, for me, I think for years I treated it um, as a kind of side hustle. I, you know, this was the only work that I did, but I certainly did not do it full time. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, you know, freely say mostly because I didn't want to, I, I have never enjoyed working 40 hours a week. It's just never been something that I've aspired to. Um, I I'm good with like, you know, 20 hours a week when I had small kids was more than enough. And even now that my, you know, my oldest is 18 and a half and, and my youngest is eight. And even now I like to top out at around 30 hours a week. I don't want to feel like I'm working all the time. I like to have my evenings to myself. I like to have Fridays, you know, to go out to breakfast with a friend in the morning and spend the afternoon in my kitchen. Um, I, I don't want to feel like, if I take a morning off to do something like, Oh, how am I going to finish my work? You know, I like knowing that I have a nice balance. I like having time to read. I like having time to, I learned how to play the guitar, not very well, but I mean, you know, like I learned how to at least, you know, pick up a guitar and not look like an idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, little things. But now having, I- having said that, Abby, this, 
it, this career path is not necessarily for anyone because ultimately not everybody knows how to write or enjoys the craft of writing. So let's lay it out for readers. Who is this career path for? Correct. So if you're the kind of person who has always enjoyed writing mm-hmm. and you're the kind of person who like, and that can be any kind of writing. So if you're the kind of person who really enjoys writing a long email to your extended family every so often, or if you're the person who in your day job, like, you know, if, if they have to put together some sort of newsletter or manual or something, they say, oh, can you handle that? Because you do it so nicely. And if you're a person who enjoys playing around with words in any form, then this can definitely be for you. If you hate writing, if you were the kind of person who like in English class in high school was like, oh my God, please don't make us write an essay, then probably not the best choice. Right, 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 right. (laughs) So like if it's painful for you, I'm all about the joy. Yeah, like for me, it's, you know, if it doesn't bring me joy, I'm not going to do it. Um, So like, you know, if you came to me and said, Abby, I have an amazing career for you. You can be an accountant and make like $8 million. I would be like, thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. But no. Um, so yeah. So if words are painful, then I would say not the best choice. But if you enjoy writing, I promise you that there are plenty of ways to make this work because there are so many kinds of freelance writing. I have a good friend who has made an amazing living for 15 years writing about toilet paper. Now I know that I know, right? But think about it. There's a whole industry there that has a lot of industry specific publications and they have to communicate with each other. And it's not a glamorous thing. So guess what? There aren't a lot of people competing for the work and it pays well. So like, and just like there's toilet paper, there's, you know, I don't know, plastics and there's, um, uh, like food manufacturing and there, whatever, like all kinds of obscure things that you might actually have an interest in, or you might decide, even though it's not that interesting, it can be like, there can be cool people to work with. It can be a neat experience in project management and it pays me enough that I don't care that it's a little bit boring for 15 hours of my week because it pays for me to do really fun stuff the other hours of my week, which is my friend's approach. She says, you know, I've been doing this for enough years that I can really, I can scale it back. It doesn't take up my time. There are no toilet paper emergencies. (laughs) So, you know, um, so it's very steady work that she doesn't have to go out and look for. And it pays very well. And she's been working with the same people for over a decade. So she knows them. She knows the market. She knows the terminology. It's not taking an enormous amount of brain power. It's rewarding for her professionally. And it leaves her with a lot of time to pursue the things that she does love and that she is passionate about. So, um, and then, you know, on the flip side, you can, I have a, I have a student who's now writing about, um, she's writing for UK music artists. I have students who are writing about expat life. Um, I have students who are writing about all kinds of things like, you know, from, from healthcare to parenting, to technology, to fitness, whatever, like there are so many ways to take writing and so many kinds of writing and, and there's just so much that you can do with it. Um, that it can be a lot of fun. So what I'm hearing here is that a lot of succeeding in this is really choosing a niche. And um, I, maybe people uh, might resist that. Um, talk, talk to us <laughs> about the benefits of focusing on a niche when you're trying to build My this freelance goodness. writing and the That's myths such- behind it, if there are. Yeah. Any. So that's such a great question because, you know, so many people believe like, oh, if I, so I'm just going to, you know, kind of explain what a niche is for people who might not be familiar with that terminology. So when we say choosing a niche, it means picking one thing that you focus in on and that you hone in on. So this is something that is really um, critical for really any business. So if you want to have a business in any way, shape or form, you need to know who you serve and how you serve them. So what is the service that you provide? and to whom do you provide it? Mm -hmm. And you want to get like super, super specific. So, um, you know, like your podcast has a market of a very specific honed in on market. Mm -hmm. So the same thing when you're a freelance writer, if you pick something very, very specific that you're writing for a very specific audience, people feel like, oh, well, that means I'm not going to get as much work because I'm limiting myself. But the truth is the moment that you kind of 
zero in on that one specific area, you get to be super specific in the language that you use and how you communicate. And it speaks exactly to those specific people. So somebody once said to me, Abby, do you think you're alienating men by calling your site successful freelance mom? And I was like, well, I sure hope I am because I'm trying really hard to only work with women. Um, so I'm okay with that. So, and again, I'm also okay with, um, I mean, I certainly am not against single women or women who are not mothers, but because my messaging resonates particularly with mothers, those are the people who most of the time work with me. And those are the people who I most enjoy working with because they understand and have the same challenges that I do. So, you know, for example, if my kid walks in in the middle of a Facebook live, my audience doesn't say, oh, that's so unprofessional. They say, ah, ha, 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 it happens to her too. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Having said that, Abby, you didn't go super niche. And by that, I mean, you could have even gone, you're an observant Jewish woman. And, sure. you know, a lot of what this has allowed you is, like you mentioned before, have the ability to cook Shabbat on Friday, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. during the day or throughout the week, kind of prepare or prepare for the Jewish holidays or take time off for the Jewish holidays, have that flexibility. So you could have technically kind of approached this from, a, you know, let's just bring it to the observant Jewish woman. However, you have clients from all walks of life and religions. So tell us a little bit about that. And how did you did you know be going into this that you were going to go a little bit wider in that sense, instead of going into your own kind of group? Well, I'll tell you. So um, niching down is something that happens kind of constantly in a business. Uh-huh. It's rare. Yeah, it's rare the business that um, that knows from day one, you know, I serve this tiny subset of this group. Um, and I, I don't think that I'll ever get to the point where I'm only serving the Orthodox Jewish community just because I guess partly my own life experience. I think that diversity is an awesome thing. And I think yes. we have a lot to learn from other people. So I'm actually in a mastermind group with them. Um, there's uh, there are four of us so uh i'm there and then there's a woman you know just a traditional american uh christian woman uh-huh. and then there's one who is um she's a muslim american living in baltimore um and then we have our uh, our fourth is in london and she says if she had to pick a religion she would go with buddhism so you know we're a pretty eclectic group and we seem to get along okay i think that there's a lot of power in in, in diversity in general and in diverse women taking on strong leadership roles yes. specifically, I think that there's something very exciting about being a part of that. And I would be a little bit sad if I missed out on some of that. So I guarantee you that there are some people within perhaps, you know, some Orthodox communities who say, okay, so that's not for me. I would rather be in a more Um, in a community that's more familiar to me. And that's okay, too. I mean, we all can make those choices. Um, For me, I maybe partly because I grew up in the United States, and because I have lived in a lot of different places, and you know, in a lot of different communities, I enjoy that diversity. I enjoy being it's like having my feet in a lot of different worlds. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, It makes me almost more comfortable than it would be if I, I also, um, my, my, my own parents are conservative, I grew up in a conservative um, background. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've always, in you know, in some ways, felt like a little bit of an outsider in the Orthodox world. And I feel like if I were, if I were leading a community of Orthodox women, I would be kind of constantly dealing with some sort of imposter syndrome and just like, oh my God, they are totally going to throw me out one day. Um, so I think I would be a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And interestingly, now you talk about you know women in strong leadership roles. I mean. One could imagine, and perhaps, like you just mentioned, the imposter syndrome, perhaps at some point you have you ever considered, you know, what will people think at the end of the day, you know, not many of us in this world are building online businesses. I mean, did you ever face resistance from other people in the community or did you ever within yourself kind of like, you know, doubt it? Um, that's a good question. I would have to say, um, and again, this has to do a lot with my background, uh, and being the mother of a child with special needs. Mm -hmm. So I got really good early on at, what's a nice way to say this, at not taking crap from anyone. Um, (laughs) not caring about what other people think. 
Correct. Correct. I definitely, there's a lot of that in me. I really, um, I really don't care, you know, like I, I had to deal with it for, for many, many years and I got better at dealing with it and I got more comfortable with myself. And I think there's also something about being in your forties where there's just like this acceptance that, okay, I'm not going to be a supermodel in this lifetime. Like that's not going to happen. And I'm okay with that because, you know, at least I can eat food and I'm not crabby all the time. So, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) so like little things like that, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm, I love my husband. I love my children. I have my, you know, my close friends and those are the people in my family, the people who most matter to me. Um, I also, am very lucky in that I have very supportive parents, um, siblings, you know, people who really do love me and appreciate what I do. Mm-hmm. So if someone in my community had a problem, I think that would be, you know, his or her problem. And exactly. Not mine. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Abby, going back to a successful freelance mom, I know you teach a lot. Your, you, you teach your clients and you talk a lot about productivity, about you know, concepts that apply to any entrepreneur, or anyone with a side business or a side hustle, you're all about this foundation and tuning out the messages about vision boards and branding and colors. And, you know, the, the, you know, you have to do it this way. And you have to have a funnel and you have to do that. And you're very into you know what, time, let's get to the basics, time management, establishing good business habits to be more productive and treating your business like a business and the mindset that you need in order to do that. So can you expand on this a little bit? And how did you get so practical and so savvy? <laughs> um, I think, you know, reality drilled that into me. So, you know, you're part of the online women entrepreneurial community. So you've seen, I'm sure, these posts where where like women will post like, oh, I can't decide which logo should be on my I business know. card store. <laughs> Do you guys like which, this vision board? Do you like right. the colors? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which colors should I be using? And I'm like, dude, build your business for how, how many paying clients do you have let's talk about that <laughs> so for me i don't have i mean look i believe firmly that we all have 168 hours in our week because that's just science math you know whatever like that's just how it works right so um so we all have 168 hours in our week and we get to choose how we use it i don't have I don't, it's not that I don't have time to mess around. It's that I choose not to mess around with the time that I have. Again, I also, because I spent two and a half years sitting in a hospital and not knowing, you know, what, what was going to happen. I'm, I don't want to waste time. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that every moment of every day has to be super focused and be productive. I mean, I'm conscious of how I spend my time. So for example, I don't watch television in my daily life. Television for me is a treat that I save for either when I'm on vacation or when I'm specifically saying to myself, you know what, there's a new season of The Walking Dead. I'm taking two days off so I can watch it. Um, <laughs> and so, But like, I do read for pleasure every single day. Right. I do go for walks every single day. I do get my nails done every other week. I get, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> I get my hair done twice a year because I'm lazy about that. But like, whatever. You know, the things that I want to do, I absolutely make time for. So it's not that I'm always working and I'm always super productive, but I'm I'm, I'm conscious of the choices that I make with my time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's, that's a big piece. And I think that when you, um, if you want to have a successful business, you must, must, must start with, like you said, the, the, the foundations. I'm very big on this. So the found one of the, one of the three keys is, is knowing how you actually spend your time. So I strongly encourage people to take what I call a time audit, which is tracking your time for a full week to see how you really use it versus how you think you use it in your head because those two things are very different. Yeah, it's like a budget. (laughs) Exactly. It is exactly like a budget. Um, So yeah, so that's one piece. And then another piece is the smart business habits. So I'm very into... um, It's not just automating as much as you can in the sense of like using a program to do it, but making things automatic and habitual for yourself. So Mm -hmm. um, for those like, you know, if you're starting a freelance writing business, a big thing is getting yourself in front of clients on a regular basis. So I teach my students strategies that make some of those some of those um, habits automatic for them. So like 
every morning, first thing in the morning, without even having to think about it, without having to rely on motivation or whatever, to just to know that the very first thing you do is you're sending out three pitches. Um, and if you're doing that consistently every day for two months, you're going to start to see results from that. And if you, the people who tell me, oh, I'm not getting results, I'm like, yeah, are you sending out three pitches every day? Well, you know, no. Okay. So, um, nice. so come back to me when you're being consistent with that. And then the third piece is mindset because um, I'm very into the work of uh, Carol Dweck, who's yes, a Stanford researcher. Right. So, um, so she wrote the book called Mindset. Um, and she talks about the concept of growth and fixed mindsets. So fixed mindset people are people who believe that, you know, you have the intelligence that you have and you can maybe like study something, but you, you can't really change much about your life. That's just the way it is. Whereas people with a growth mindset understand that you can at any age with any level of ability, put in effort and learn to do new things. And it may be really hard and you might sometimes make mistakes and look silly, but that's where growth happens. Um, and so I teach those, I mean, I teach those as the fundamentals, as the foundation of any successful business, way beyond freelance writing. Really, I believe that if you want to have any kind of successful business, you need those three pieces in place before you do anything else. Yeah, yeah, t absolutely. You must hear a lot when you um, work with your clients about what's what are the setbacks or the things that are holding them back and as you as an objective eye looking at it from the outside you just probably could just see what they don't see in themselves what are some of the things that you see women consistently kind of like it's holding them back from making some real money um building this business in particular well, um, so a lot of times it's a refusal to get creative with mm. child care. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So I, I believe firmly, I, I think that um, if you want to start building a business, I think you need to find uh, at bare minimum seven to 10 hours a week where you are not the primary caregiver for your children. Okay. So seven to 10 hours where someone is watching your children and people say, well, I can't afford a sitter. I didn't say hire a sitter. Um, there are so many ways that you can find childcare if you're willing to be a little bit creative. So number one, most women with small children, and I won't say all because I know that's not true, but most women with small children have a partner of some sort, right? So mm -hmm. a spouse, a partner, a someone in their life because somebody else was probably present to make this small child. Yes. So, um, you know, usually. So, um, okay, so that person perhaps can handle four hours on a weekend morning. So that's four hours right there. Oh, well, my husband can't, my husband won't. Well, okay, but you're allowing that to happen. Like, <laughs> I really have, I, I have very little sympathy with those things. Like, you're allowing those decisions to be made for you. If you simply say to your husband, I am leaving on Sunday morning at eight o'clock and I will be back at noon and then you leave, <laughs> Right. <laughs> what's he going to do? Right. So. Um, so there are ways to make that happen. There's also, you can trade childcare with a friend so that you each get four hours one morning, you know, um, mm -hmm. you can, you can find, you know, if you have, let's say you have a baby, so you can find even an elementary school student who you can, who can take your baby for a stroller walk for an hour every afternoon and get your four or five hours in that way. Right. You and then you find, add on nap time. And exactly. Exactly. You can find a high school student who can really babysit your infant. Um, and then with younger children, you can have a slightly younger, you know, with, sorry, with older children, you can have a slightly younger babysitter who's watching them say in your home while you're locked in a room and not answer. Like I would really recommend noise canceling headphones. Um, but um, mm -hmm. like, cause you don't want to hear what's going on, but like, you know, there are ways to get creative. So that's a big one is just saying, well, I can't and, and not being willing to, to get creative. Um, another big one is deciding, well, nobody's going to want to hire me instead of, you know, putting yourself out there. And I know it's hard and it's a risk and it's true. Not everyone will hire you and some people will reject you. But if you are unwilling to even take that chance, then of course, no one's going to hire you because you haven't given anyone the opportunity to do it. Right, right. So try so, to try, try to work with that fear of rejection that is so pervasive right, from women. Right. And I know I sound a little bit mean when I say it right now. I do work with them a little bit more intensely <laughs> and 
and kindly over time. But but um, <laughs> and I build up their self esteem. Like the people in my in my course will tell you that um, I'm all about the cheerleading. You know, I'm constantly telling. I actually make my students write. Um, we call it an I'm awesome list, and it's a list of a hundred reasons that you're awesome. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be related to business. It can be like. I'm awesome because I didn't kill any of my children today. Um, <laughs> I know. only yelled 30 times, not six. Correct. <laughs> it's like, you know, we used to joke way, way back in the day when my oldest was little and she needed mitzvah notes for, for gone. Yeah. So we would say like, you know, we had to sometimes hunt and we would say things like, yes, when Lior broke the antique vase, she picked up most of the large shards of glass before anyone could get cut on them. So yay. Um, that is so, so funny and so nice. true. <laughs> but Abby, what about yourself? I mean, you are the successful freelance mom. Um, <laughs> Do you ever face mental blocks, things that are holding you back? I call it the Yetsuhara because I really think it's just, you know, the Yetsuhara mm -hmm. wants to hold us back. Do you find those blocks coming at you? And if so, what are they and how do you counter them? So absolutely. Um, I absolutely encounter them on an almost daily basis, I mm -hmm, would say. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's fairly common um, for, for most of us. Uh, so for example, right now I'm, you know, I'm building successful freelance mom. It's still a pretty new business. It's almost a year old. It's about to have a birthday. I'm wow. very excited. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking I'm going to have some cake. Um, so because why not, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so as I'm building this business, you know, it's at a point now where like some exciting things are happening. I've been invited on, um, on some exciting podcasts. I mean, this one, so mm -hmm. which, you know, um, pinnacle of my career, very exciting. Um, and, you know, but like, no, I'm getting in front of new audiences. I'm being invited to speak at events. Um, and that's really, really exciting. And there's certainly, you know, this little piece of me that's like, well, I mean, if I show up, maybe they'll figure out that I don't really know very much. You know? So, so there's always that piece that's like, maybe I should just not submit this application or maybe I should just not finish this paperwork that they've asked me to turn in so that they right. can approve me. You know, so there's definitely um, things like that. There's when I, you know, I want to be more consistent in my own blogging in my, in, in a video schedule. I want to do some things. But so I, I see myself constantly like, you know, I'll sit down to plan out an editorial calendar and then I'll be like, oh, but you know what I really need to do right now? Ugh. I really need to clean the basement. <laughs> you sound like me. No, or I really need to answer all those emails. Meanwhile, they're not pressing. You just made it no. made them to be pressing. I, right. I uh, definitely did not need to clean the basement. Like, yeah, I'm glad sure. I did. <laughs> The basement was a true disaster, but but it had been a disaster for four months and it could have remained a disaster. So yeah, I mean, so there's definitely some of that. And for me, it's about pushing through. It's about recognizing what I'm doing yeah. and saying to myself, okay, you know, it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to make mistakes. And now I'm going to set a timer for 25 minutes and I'm going to do this thing that scares me for 25 minutes. Yes. And then I'm going to have some cake. Um, <laughs> I'm going to celebrate my me would Correct. be dark chocolate, but yes, I hear That's you. Right. <laughs> so yeah, um, but the first yeah. step, like you said, is recognizing I, and I always say you got, you got to call the Yetzirah for who she is, who or she, mm -hmm. or, you know, some mm -hmm. people have, mm -hmm. have told me like, mm -hmm. how come you call her a she? Well, what would I call her? I mean, it's a he, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but anyway, for what it is and say, oh, thank you very much. But right now I really, I'm going to do this, even if it feels uncomfortable, but it, I'm just going to push through it. Like you said. <laughs> Right. And, and that's really what it is. It's about it's about recognizing it. It's about pushing through. And certainly I'm not above rewards. You know, um, I think that they work. I think, you know, I spent all day today um, working on a project that was extremely difficult for me to do. And, uh, you know, you know, for my business and I did not want to do it. And I've put it off for probably two weeks. And I knew that today I needed to get through it. So I set up a lot of rewards throughout the day, like for mm. little milestones that I would hit. So they were not all cake, by the way, I will say. I, um, I hope not. <laughs> so, you know, but for me, a reward can be really like, like having that time to sit and, and, and read something um, when it's not the end of the day, which is my normal reading time or like whatever to hang out with a friend for half an hour and have a cup of coffee like those kinds of things can really really help get me through those difficult tasks yes so, yeah 
yes. Yeah. I think we need to become accountability partners. Absolutely. <laughs> and I do I think, by the way, that. that I could be doing better on the reward side. So I'm glad that you gave us this reminder because mm -hmm. I need to be better at that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Abby, mm -hmm. let's do some JLP fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I give you an open-ended statement and you fill it with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. All right. I'm Abby Parrots, and I feel most spiritual when... When I am watching my children sleep. Ooh. <laughs> Best hour of the day, people. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I had a friend who a long time ago told me, um, we were talking about, you know, draining days with kids and, you mm -hmm. know, the challenges that happen come through the day. And she told me, she has kids that are older than, uh, I mean, like you, she has like mm -hmm. adult, like teenagers and adults. And then she has younger kids like myself. And she told me, you know, Yael, when I, my kids were little and I had challenging times, sometimes I would go into their room when they would sleep, be sleeping. And then I would watch them and I would think about, just enjoy the moment and how wonderful they were. And it just helped me put everything into perspective. So mm, you just love me. that. Yeah. You just reminded love me of that. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. It's like, Definitely. yeah. Uh, my favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is. This is a little bit weird. Um, Asher Yatzal. Um, really? The, yeah. Um, I know it's weird. Uh, it's because when my son was sick, uh, we had this, there was this whole intestinal issue and he actually, um, whatever, his intestines did not function for nine months. Um, mm. So, so Asheria Tzai became very special to me. So that is so nice. And just to explain <laughs> to listeners, that's the blessing that we use after using the bathroom, which is actually a very beautiful blessing about it thanking that's Hashem for the way our body operates and that we have crevices that open and crevices that close and the things that flow. And yeah, wow, what a what a great <laughs> answer. <laughs> so, my fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is Wow. Um, uh, my fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is I'm torn between two things. So one, when I was five, um, my, the synagogue that I grew up in, okay, so my, my parents are conservative, but my dad's family was actually reform when he was growing up. Mm -hmm. And when I was very young, we belonged to the reform temple where mm -hmm. I grew up mm -hmm. and then later joined the conservative synagogue. So anyway, the reform temple where I grew up when I was five, they had a consecration ceremony for the five-year-olds. Okay. And I remember when I participated in that, and I just remember feeling the love of everyone around me. So that was very exciting and warm. Um, but also when I went to my son's sitter party in Israel, which was my first sitter party in Israel, um, that was amazing. And that, that was, that happens, I think around the same age, right? Right. right. Five was, or six years it was, old. It was, he was a little bit older. It was first grade. So, but yeah, it was this, like, and he, this was my fourth kid. So I thought that I was kind of like jaded at that point. But I was like, I mean, I was blown away. Like, it was really emotional. Like, I cried. <laughs> so um, I actually live tweeted the whole thing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, it was a very, it's a proud, um, it's an amazing moment. This was, was this is your child that has a disability? No, this is no. the one after, um, mm -hmm. who's kind of like the overlooked child in our house. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I think maybe that also made it very special for me because it was this day when the focus was really on him um, and he earned it. So, yeah. Beautiful. Very beautiful. And, <laughs> and just to give to listeners, a sitter party is, I guess, a ceremony where the children in school get their prayer mm -hmm. book for the first time because the now they're time. officially going to be using it like like a bigger person. <laughs> right, right. When I, when I give tzedakah, I like to give to? <laughs> um, so uh, we have, a, so there's a guy um, in Israel. His name is Itzik. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and when, when my son had cancer um, and he was on the oncology ward in Schneider, Itzik comes twice a week to Schneider um, and brings food that, you know, his mother makes with like things that he buys and prepares and whatever. Um, and he just, <clears throat> he distributes food and he hangs out with the families and he makes you feel like you're a human being for that hour or two. Um, and so he has an organization and we, um, I like to give to. Wow. Him. What's the name of the organization so readers can know? 
so, so Itzik himself has his own organization, but he runs his donations through a charity called Dauke Miliam, the way of Miriam. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Wow. So that's how you met this individual mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. hospital. Wow. Yep. How amazing yep. and how beautiful that you keep supporting his work so that he could keep, keep giving to other people. We do. Who we certainly do. need it. And God yeah. willing, there will be a day when nobody will need it. But for oh, now, it would be so good. <laughs> for now, yeah. the world is still imperfect and we all need to be doing our part. All right. Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? So many things. Um, I, I wish I had a, you know, a day school education, really. I wish I knew, I wish I could help my kids with their Gemara homework. Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. it amazing to raise kids who like get to a point where like, oh, you, this, these kids know yeah. a lot more than I do. Well, my kids hit that point at around third grade. Yeah, so I'm like, too. you know, I can help you with your English homework um, and maybe a little bit with the math, but that's it. Like all the rest is beyond me. So sorry. You'll <laughs> laugh, but sometimes I'm writing <laughs> talks or researching things for an article for the Jewish na- newspaper. I have to give a speech mm-hmm. and like, I have to ask my son, can you help me with this Rashi? I know right. this Rashi exists. I just don't remember where it is. Can you find right. it for me? And he'll like open the home. She'll say, you know, I know where it is. Da, da, da. Like, and we'll like learn together, which I think it's beautiful. And I think. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. Finally, I'm Abby Parrots. And today I'm most grateful for. My family. Um, my, my family, meaning my husband, my children, my parents, my siblings, my, my family. Um, I am so grateful for each one of them individually and for them collectively as a whole. I am so grateful beautiful. <laughs> every day. So beautiful. Is, are, is anybody else in Israel or are you guys by yourselves there? No, my husband's family is all in Israel, but my family is in the United States. Oh, beautiful. So. Okay. So the kids have grandparents there, which is nice. They do. They beautiful. Do. Abby, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for being so wonderful. I so appreciate you. And I heard that you have a, a little freebie for listeners. Oh, I do. I love free stuff. And I figure that everybody loves free stuff. So we do. <laughs> if you go over to successfulfreelancemom.com, you'll see there's a be a freelance writer link. And mm-hmm. if you click that, you can get a free five day course that will get you started on what you need to be a freelance writer. That is the very first step that you can take if what you heard today interests you and you think that this is something that you would like to pursue. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Everybody's at SuccessfulFreelanceMom.com. You get to sign up for this five-day course. It's going to teach you all the foundations, a lot more than what Abby touched upon here. And again, Abby, thank you so much. I so enjoyed this conversation. And I hope you come to visit me again with more exciting projects because I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot more coming from you in the future. Oh, thank Thank you. I'm, I'm, de- I'm positive that we're going to have a lot of opportunities for collaboration. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Abby Parrots for stopping by. Again, the website is SuccessfulFreelanceMom.com and there you can sign up for the free five-day course, How to Be a Freelance Writer. Abby is on Twitter at Abby Parrots and she's on Facebook at Successful Freelance Mom. Thanks again for being here. I'm on my way to St. Louis, Missouri this week to lead a women's Shabbaton for the JCC in St. Louis. I'm very excited to get to meet all the women down there. Uh, Down there, up there, uh, actually. Um, If you want to hear all about it and so much more, be sure sure to sign up for my newsletter at jewishlatinprincess.com. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.